speaking an event in January. And so uh, Steve Diggs, who is a uh, minister with a church in Antioch, Tennessee, is, uh, he has been uh, part of his ministry over uh, a couple of decades now, has been going out and doing seminars about um, using our money the way God instructs us to use it. And part of that is uh, helping folks to understand debt and how to stay out of debt and how to be good stewards of money. And so we are bringing Steve in in January uh, in partnership with what we've been doing uh, for the last uh, many years, and that is our financial peace classes. And so this is going to be a, a Sunday. He'll be here and be doing a workshop. And then uh, Monday evening also, we'll be doing a workshop. And so today is just kind of a save the date. Just get that in your mind. And we're going to be uh, providing you over the next couple of weeks with some uh, electronic material and some printed material that you can share with others. And so um, there is no greater time to pique someone's interest about finances than the first of the year, uh, especially coming out of a holiday season when folks start getting credit card bills and start trying to evaluate uh, how am I going to do things differently this year than I did last year. So we're excited about this and about him coming, and I think it's going to be a great opportunity for us to reach out to family members and to neighbors and to be able to, uh, to have a way maybe to connect them with the Word of God through something that is common to anyone, regardless of their belief, and that is, uh, that is finances. So we're looking forward to that. I appreciate the boxes that are, are trickling their way back in for Glenview Elementary, and so uh, we'd like to have those back by next Sunday, a week from today. And uh, if you need those picked up, uh, just let me know, and uh, I'll be glad to send uh, uh, Jonathan to get them. Well, I'll come get the boxes, so if you need us to, to pick those up, be glad to do that. Otherwise, just bring them back here or to the office. Uh, if you want to contribute to the gift cards that we're going to provide, uh, then you can give those funds to uh, to myself or Jonathan or, or any of the, the elders or Steve Mosley, uh, anybody who can uh, get those uh, in the right account to be able to, to purchase those. So uh, next Sunday is our deadline because we're going to deliver the boxes. Uh, it will be the, the Thursday at the end of that week. So appreciate your support of Glenview Elementary, and uh, they certainly do. And so uh, we look forward to blessing them over these holidays. So what is your favorite Christmas song? I mean, certainly we've been listening to Christmas music since what? The end of September uh, now, depending on what store you go in. So what's your favorite Christmas song? You have one? Uh, kids always want to know what's my favorite this or that. And sometimes it depends on my mood. Sometimes it depends on, you know, what's going on. But maybe you have one. Maybe it's Holly Jolly Christmas. Uh, maybe Jingle Bells, you know, or, or Joy to the World. Uh, maybe that's one of your favorites. We love these beautiful, happy Christmas songs, right? They, they warm our hearts. Why is that? Because everybody is happy, except those who are not. And so for them and for us, perhaps we find ourselves uh, humming the tune to Blue Christmas. Uh, maybe that Elvis classic is, is our favorite, right? Because during, during what's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year... We're not feeling it. And so what happens at Christmas time is that our challenges, the other 11 months out of the year, challenges of sadness and depression and anxiety, and, and about one in five of us, by the way, teenagers and adults, are living with these struggles throughout our lives. And so one in ten of us are clinically depressed. And at times, like this during the year, our challenges kind of get a steroid injection. And so everybody's happy, right? Right? So the landscape's covered with these twinkling 
colored lights everywhere you look and, and, and guilting us uh, into the Christmas spirit. And so I want to spend the next uh, just handful of weeks here through December looking at the colors of Christmas. And so each color represents a, a different perspective, a different approach to this time of the year. And so I want to break those down into obviously just four of them. Uh, but uh, today I want to lift a stigma that is unfairly attached to something that we all deal with to some degree and at some time in our life. And so it's been said that depression is the family secret that everyone has. And I would say that is probably, well, I'd say it was true. <laughs> I would say it was true for me. And so, but in the church, there ought not be any family secrets. I mean, we are called as a body of Christ to share and to bear with one another. There ought not to be any family secrets in the church because we should be free to bear one another's burdens and we should be free to share the struggles that we face because we should expect to receive an acceptance and an understanding and a patience and a love that comes with this human existence that we find ourselves in. So we, like, like all the spectrum of color, we go through seasons of life. And while Arkansas's meteorological winter may be erratic and may be short-lived, winter can last a really long time. And we long for spring. And I long for spring. I'd be happy with springtime, like literal springtime, all the time. And the older I get, uh, that's especially so. Uh, however, life's not that way, is it? And so this message today is for all of us because God gives us one another. He gives us each other. He gives us His Spirit and He gives us His Word, but He gives us each other to help one another. And, and we learn when we turn to His Word in Psalm 34, as we read in verse 18, the Lord is near the brokenhearted and He delivers those who are discouraged. And so most of the world's thinking about Christmas right now. They're thinking about baby Jesus. And John writes about how this divine essence of God put on flesh and dwelt among us. And in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23 says that His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. And so His, His, His Spirit has come in the person of Jesus Christ. And this Emmanuel is not just God with us in a person, but God with us in, in the soup of life with us, in the fray and the highs and the lows. And so God is plugged into our lives, even in the most difficult seasons. And so think about what we've turned Christmas into in, in our culture for sure. Hey, high anxiety, fragile relationships. Oh no, what, what, if we, what if we invite them, what's going to happen? What if we don't invite them, what's going to happen, right? And so regrets seem to, to come to the forefront of our mind. Family issues, challenges. And while I could argue that Jesus was not born in December and that celebrating His birth is not a Bible-directed celebration. That is not my intent today. And in fact, I am going to use that as a point of reference in hopes to provide you not only with a message that may benefit you, but, but with something that you might be able to, to glean from, points of conversation that may help you and your circle of influence throughout the day and throughout the week. And so I don't want to argue the when but I want to hold up the Word of God as He tells us the how. And so in Luke chapter 2 and verse 7, we read that Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now there were shepherds nearby living out in the field, keeping guard over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were absolutely terrified. 
Now, your version may say sore afraid or greatly afraid. It's just terrified as others translate it. In any case, the, the word here, the concept here is mega fear. Mega fear, right? But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. You know, joy to the world, right? And then the angel says, you're going to find this Savior born. The sign of this Savior is a little baby. And so heaven's raucous celebration bursts into reality here in a manger. And it's like these shepherds are out there and they witness this, this portal into heaven. And angels show up announcing the, the birth of Jesus and joy comes to the entire world. But you keep looking down in, in verse 15 and verse 20 of that chapter and this news, this mega fear was met with mega joy as they beheld this baby. And, and, and the news prompted them to tag along with what God was doing. And so we wrestle with happiness many times because happiness is based on circumstance. But joy is something else. Joy is something else. Happiness is circumstantial. But joy is positional. And so happiness is the God of our age because we're supposed to pursue happiness. However you can get it, pursue happiness, right? But joy, as Scripture defines it, that's our response to God's sovereignty. His, his rule, His control, His presence over everything, His purposes being accomplished in life, in this world, in our lives. That's where joy sources from. And so why were the shepherds filled with joy? Because they realized that they were a part of God's divine purpose. But God's divine purposes can also be found in the dark, difficult times. And so I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, but others have, have helped me with a distinction between what's called reactive depression and clinical depression. And so clinical depression is a diagnosis that's treated with medication. And it's a blessing to live in, in this day and time that we do when medical advances allow us to, to identify and to treat uh, so many medical conditions that, that, that find their ways into our lives. Reactive depression is just what it sounds like. It's reaction or response to something that's happened in our lives. And so let me say again, Christians need to be courageous. We need to be bold in lifting the, the, the stigma of pain and sadness and depression. And some of us live in a constant state of anxiety, in a constant state of depression. And often those two go together. They're partners. And so all of us in varying degrees, we, we struggle with our identity. We struggle with our worth that's found in Christ. Which is why a worship assembly like this, when we come together like this, are so important. They're so integral to our, our spiritual health. They're critical to our spiritual health. So I want to look at 1 Kings chapter 19 and, and break this down a little bit this morning as we have the prophet Elijah. And Elijah comes on the scene here, and he comes on the scene serving all of God's purposes like a bull in a china shop. He burst on the scene, and he's courageous, and he's determined. And that's chapter 18. That's chapter 18. And Elijah wipes out false prophets of the false god Baal. And he's on top of the mountain, it literally and figuratively. He's on top of the world right now. And then in chapter 19, he's in a valley finds himself in a valley. Chapter 18 is Christmas Day. Chapter 19 is February in Arkansas. 
It's all gloom, right? And so 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 1, Ahab, King Ahab, tells his wife Jezebel all that Elijah had done, including the detailed account of how Elijah killed all the prophets, these false prophets, with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah with this warning, May the gods judge me severely if by this time tomorrow I do not take your life as you did theirs. Basically, she says, I'm going to kill you, you great, courageous prophet. And so Elijah was afraid. Elijah was afraid. And so he got up and fled for his life to Beersheba in Judah, and he left his servant there. While he went alone a day's journey into the wilderness, and he went and sat down under a shrub, and he asked the Lord to take his life. I've had enough. Now, Lord, take my life. And I don't know, have you ever been there? He says, after all, I'm no better than my ancestors. I'm no better than they were. And he stretched out and he fell asleep under a shrub. And suddenly, an angelic messenger touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked and right there beside his head was was a cake baking on hot coals and a jug of water. And he ate and he drank and then he slept some more. And the angel of the Lord came back again and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for otherwise you won't be able to make the journey. And so he got up and he ate and he drank. And that meal gave him the strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb. That's Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, it says. And he went into a cave there and he spent the night. And suddenly the Lord's message came to him. Why are you here, Elijah? Sometimes we need a friend, don't we? Dude, why are you here? Why, why, why are we doing this, right? Why are you thinking this? Why are you here? What are you doing here? And so he answers, I've been absolutely loyal to the Lord God of heaven's armies. Even though the Israelites have abandoned the covenant they made with you, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword, I alone am left. And now they want to take my life. And the Lord said, You go out and you stand on the mountain before the Lord and you look. The Lord is ready to pass by. And so the rest of the story here, we have that God sends a great wind, a tornado or something, and and He blows the rocks apart. He tears the mountains apart in this great scene in front of the prophet here. And then a great earthquake and and fire comes. and, And the Scripture says the Lord was not in that tornado. He sent it, but He was not there. The Lord was not in that earthquake, this powerful force of this earthquake. The Lord was not there. The Lord was not in this fire that He raised up before the prophet's eyes. Scripture says, then there came the sound of a little whisper. Why are you here, Elijah? Why are you here? And God says, you're going to go back. You're going to go back and and you're going to anoint a king. And I'm bringing you help. I'm bringing you relief because I've already named Elisha going to be your successor. So I want to identify four factors this morning that can lead to depression. Seasonal or situational or or reactive depression or or, or anxiety. Because I want us to get a better, be better prepared to meet the challenges that face us in life when they come, especially during times like this. And so... We read here in verse 3 that Elijah is afraid. Fear is fear. Fear 
and reactive depression, they, they go together. They go hand in hand. We're, we're all afraid to fail. Everyone is afraid to fail in someone's eyes. Maybe our own or maybe someone else. And, and a lot of times we're afraid to even get out of bed because we fear rejection. We're afraid of what may happen today because it happened yesterday. And so we don't even want to face it. And so we're not going to measure up. We won't, we're not going to win the approval of others. And Elijah finds himself in this catatonic state, paralyzed by his fear. He's wiped out. He can't move. We read that you know, he, he woke up and he ate and drank. And then what? He went back to sleep because he's just drained from this. He literally finds himself in a cave. He said, I can't do this. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go. What are you afraid of today? You know, sometimes anxiety can point to our idols. Idols in our lives. Maybe it's approval of others. We're afraid of, of failing or being seen and less than what we're trying to project in the world around us. I want the approval of others. I want to perform well. I want to be seen as having it all together, Right? But my anxieties can point me to what I don't want to lose in, in this position I've created in my life. And so maybe you have this persona that you're afraid of losing. And isolation is both a symptom and a factor in depression. Isolation is the double whammy. Elijah left his servant and went on by himself. And a lot of times when we're depressed, the last thing we want to do is be with people. And so Elijah was afraid and he got up and fled for his life to Beersheba. He left his servant there and went a day's journey into the wilderness. See, isolation was his first mistake. And it's only going to get worse from there. And it's why solitary confinement is such a terrible punishment for those who are in prison. Nobody wants to go to solitary confinement. Bring the whip. Anything but that. And he says, now, O Lord... Take my life. After all, I'm no better than my ancestors. And here's the thing, failure. It's fail, failure is the comparison trap. I'm not like they were. I didn't do as well as. I don't have it all together like. Failure is such a comparison trap. Who says you have to be better than them? Or who says you have to be better than that person? Or who says you have to accomplish more or be more than they are? Who says you have to handle this situation like they did? Well, I'm going to show everybody. Comparison is a thief of joy. And we are most vulnerable after an event just like Elijah. It's, it's his post-adrenaline blues. It's a great letdown. Post-event depression. Post-project or post-deadline depression. And some people call this urge being driven. Oh, they're just driven, right? But the reality is it can drive you to feeling like a failure. And especially the further the last great thing looks in your rearview mirror. So we've all heard of postpartum depression, right? You have everything leading up to this great marvelous event and then all of a sudden it's over. And children can experience depression. Especially when they don't feel like they measure up, whether it's real or imagined. And as parents, we need to shower our children with love and responsibility because those together help facilitate and foster and grow self-worth and love. 
See, Elijah thought he was a failure and he plummeted into self-pity. And, and, and dwelling on, on this wore him down. And so he was fatigued. He was tired. And he stretched out and fell asleep under the shrub. And suddenly this angelic messenger touched him and said, Get up and eat. And for many of us, we may not be so much depressed as we're just tired. Life has made us tired. We are worn out because of circumstances in our life. And, and some of us just need to enter into a season of rest. Elijah was wiped out. He was tired. This physical fatigue leads to emotional fatigue. But you have to peel back the outward signs and you've got to ask, why can't I stop? Why can I not rest? Why can I not push pause? Why am I running myself to death? See, the opposite of depression is not happiness. The opposite of depression is vitality. To depress is, is to push down, is to submerse, is to deflate something, to be deflated. Vitality is strength, it's energy, it's, it's animation. And even if it means strength for you today is just to get up and put clothes on today. If strength for you today is just to get up and, and put food in your mouth or, or just to wash your face, or just going out and being around other people. Maybe that's strength for today. And for some, that's a vital life. Just seeking to be strong. And, and, and we need others to help us move towards that. So fatigue is a major factor that leads to depression. And another is a mindset of futility. Thinking it's pointless. It's just pointless. Anything I do is pointless. And so in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 10... He answered, he says, I have been absolutely loyal to the Lord God of heaven's armies. Even though the Israelites have abandoned the covenant they made with you, I have been faithful. I tore down your altars, I killed the prophets with the sword, and what has it gotten me? It's worthless. I alone am left, and now they want to kill me. See, that's, that's the mindset. And so he's coming off the greatest work of God in his life. And now just one situation. And isn't it interesting how fragile we are, even in the face of great triumph, how one situation leads him to this position. And I can relate to Elijah. I can relate to that. You can, you can have such a great high in your life and just the flip of a switch, you can forget about that and be down in the dumps again. And thinking about his situation, someone has said, just because you're not paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. <laughs> right? Think about that. He's got real problems. And so do we. And so Jesus told us we would have real problems. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. That's John chapter 16. Go back and read that. He, Jesus lays it all out for His disciples. Here are bad things that are going to happen because you're following Me. But take heart. Don't lose heart. Because I've overcome this world. I've overcome. So where's the healing? Where is the healing? Well, first of all, you've you got to get away. We need to build Sabbath rest into our lives. Not, not, not in an isolation sense, but in a Sabbath Sin. Some of us need to learn to say no to some things in our life. 
And we need to learn to say yes to some other things in our life. Luke chapter 2 and verse 17, continuing, When they saw Him, when they saw the child, they related what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were astonished at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up all these words, pondering in her heart what they might mean. So you got this beautiful scene of this, this new mom, right? Taking in all that God has, has brought into her life. And she doesn't dwell on the pain of pregnancy, the pain of birth. She, she's, she's not bemoaning the journey that they had to take or, or the less than the desirable circumstances of this birth. She's not worried about what are they going to do tomorrow. Now they got another mouth to feed. She's just thankful. And she's contemplative in the presence of God. Be thankful and contemplative of the blessing of Christ, the the invitation of God to be His child and what it means to have Him walk with you even when you cannot navigate the map. And this one can be very difficult. It's get help. Get help. Whether it's professional help or whether it's, it's seeking the support of brothers or sisters in the church, this is not a lack of faith. Seeking help is not a lack of faith. In fact, it's a sign of great faith because it's me saying, God, I trust Your plan that the church is the physical representation of of Your spiritual kingdom in this world. We are God's kingdom. And so when we seek help and encouragement from God's kingdom, we are announcing to the world, this is God's plan. And so God has called us into unity with one another to bear one another's burdens and encourage one another. And throughout His Word, God says in various ways, I've given you others to to, to talk to and to be with, to share life with. And there are members of the church who have made a professional decision to become licensed counselors and and to position the kingdom of God for, for His purpose. And so... We can connect you with several male and female counselors who are qualified professionally to serve you and who are positioned providentially to do so from a God-centered view of life and eternity for your life, for your marriage, for your family, for your health. Get help. On the back stand there, as you go out the back door, I put a list of some brothers and sisters, members of the church here in central Arkansas who are professional counselors. And so I encourage you to take one of those. Keep it. Maybe you don't need it today, but maybe someone you know does. If you need extra copies, let me know. So coming out of this isolation can provide perspective. It's God's perspective, and that's what we lose sight of when when we sequester ourselves. And if Elijah had stayed with his servant, perhaps he would have had someone else who could say, Hey, Elijah, buddy, brother, Jezebel, she doesn't determine your worth. She doesn't determine your value. God's the one who does that. So let me tell you who you are. You are beloved. Remember, you are beloved by God. In Christ, you are made righteous by His grace. You are forgiven. And we need to be around people who remind us and help us with our perspective. God's perspective. And that may seem like the hardest thing. But there's something else that can even be harder, maybe. But it's also the most refreshing. And that's getting back to life. Getting back to life. Life Life-giving things and life-giving people. And so we need boundaries around our life. We need boundaries to limit our diversions from from healing and, and from faith. 
sleeping and eating and, and medication, certain relationships, these passive time-wasting distractions that we can allow into our lives, too much can bring you down. So what activities can bring life to you? What activities build you up? Get back to those or start doing those. So how about getting busy helping others? That's a great thing. This time of the year, we are, are certainly uh, not at a, at a loss for opportunities or at least uh, awareness of opportunities that are out there. And so Jesus identifies so closely with the marginalized and the brokenhearted that He says when we serve them, when we serve those who are marginalized and brokenhearted, what are we doing? He says we're serving Him. When, when you even a cup of cold water given in My name is what? It's serving Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. He shows up when we reach out and bless others. And where at, at one time we found ourselves in despair and discouraged, we can now find ourselves encouraged and full of hope. And so joy to the world. We can sing that and we can proclaim that this time of year because Jesus has come and our fear is erased by His love. John writes in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears punishment has not been perfected in love. And so because Jesus has taken our punishment, we have nothing to fear in this life if we embrace Christ. Our failure is erased by His forgiveness. And so we're not defined by failure. We are defined by our union with Jesus Christ. Our fatigue is erased by His power. And so... When you think about the Apostle Paul, we don't think of Paul as a man who struggled with depression, but I think he did based on his writing. He, I think he writes about it. We looked at that last week, how Christ is enough. Remember that? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He talks about this thorn in the flesh that he was given to, to humble him, to, to keep him in his place mentally and spiritually. And, and so much so, it, it burdened him so much, he cried out to God three times, Lord, take this away from me. But God said no, right? 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, God said to him, My grace is enough for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, So then I will boast most gladly about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may reside in me. Paul says if he talks about his weaknesses, if he boasts about it, then God is the one who gets the glory. How is that? Because Paul says, even though I am burdened with this, yet I have hope. Yet I have life. Yet I will get up. Yet I will go. Yet I will be. And that's so counterintuitive to us. But Paul releases it to God. And through Jesus, our futility is erased by His purposes. And so we wait on the Lord, even in a season of winter. Because no matter how futile Satan wants us to think our life is, without Christ, it is futile. Life is futile without Jesus Christ. And so I want to leave you with this Scripture to proclaim over your life today. And I want to ask you to, with me, let's recite this together as we proclaim to one another and we proclaim to God the truth of His Word in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Let's say this with me. Do not be anxious about anything. Instead, in every situation, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
tell your request to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so this morning, let me ask you, what color is Christmas in your life today? Is it blue? Has depression and anxiety got a hold on you right now with its brutal, fierce, strong grip? Hear the words of Christ. Hear the words of our Lord who calls us to, to freedom from that fear, freedom from that anxiety, to release that to Him and enjoy the, the, the beauty and the rest and the relief that comes by being His child. And this morning as we're together, we want to pray for you and with you and lift you up as we walk hand in hand together through this life and we battle the real burdens that come our way, the burdens that Satan will magnify, especially those of regret and fear and disappointment and loss that fuel depression and anxiety in our lives. This morning, if you have heard the Word of God, how Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him, will you be baptized into Christ today? Will you die to your old life, be born again in Jesus Christ, being washed by His blood, His sacrifice, for our sins, raised up as a child of God, free from the burdens of this life, with your eye set on eternity, the promise of God to be His child forever. We want to celebrate with you this morning in that decision. In any case, we have an opportunity today to lean on one another, to lift one another up. And we're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement. If we can do that for you today, will you come while we stand and sing? Precious cornerstone.